welcome to Stationery Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's life on the other side of the world this week? Life over here is absolutely splendid and uh, welcome to wintertime. You, you guys have joined in now, haven't you? <laughs> joined in? We've been there for a while, mate. Well, in terms of time zones, I mean, you, you've actually done the, the whole falling back thing, haven't you? Yes, we did. I uh, screwed up my weekend too but that's okay things things change i want to complain because you know let's start off uh, a podcast between two grumpy old men with a grumpy old man complaining software changes i went to load up my normal system this morning and two of them have just thrown me into a tizzy as Stu knows for me cussing and swearing for three or four minutes before we started recording I use a uh, software called Logic to record my audio. I use it for, I've used it for many years and I use it for all of my audio music recording and everything. And they've just gone and changed it. It's done an automatic update. You know, those wonderful things Stu. automatic updates. I don't, absolutely. It does it to me, but fortunately I've got such a short attention span. I, I don't notice the differences mostly. Mm, well, everything that I had set up, uh, didn't quite work this morning. So I had to go back and remember all of these setups that I have and change things. And now everything's different and the colors different and the icons are different. And it's just very weird. And it's throwing me right off. And then I'm looking at sort of stew. I'm not sure what that is. Um, signal, which we use to record and communicate back and forth. Um, mostly because, well, Stu and I both hate Zoom has changed its interface. Normally it's a nice little discreet black screen on the side. Now I'm looking at a little picture of Stu followed by a bigger picture of Stu that's all blurred out, but is bright, really, really bright. <laughs> and for some unknown reason, when we were chatting as we were getting ready, um, there's a little chat box and I've, I've never seen the UI that did this before. But in order to click on an emoji, which I do frequently with Stu, uh, given the thumbs up, okay, just getting ready for recording. Um, it pops up a list of emojis. Now these emojis are in a scroll down list, but there is only one emoji wide and there's probably 10 of them that you can scroll down, but you actually have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling down to find the emoji that you want. Um, I gave up and just typed okay. Uh, that's how frustrated I was. But <laughs> who the heck designs this stuff? It's just what I, I, I grump, grump, grump. I've, I've got to say, Justin, I don't have that. So um, do you have your signal window very skinny? Because I get a grid of eight emojis wide. I have it in the smallest possible spot to sit on my desk layout that has not changed since we have started recording and using this. <laughs> this is the whole point. Uh, this is software changes forced on me automatically <laughs> that don't work according to the way Justin works. This worked before, it doesn't work now. Granddad, take a breath. Um, next to um, the little settings cog on the top of your, your signals window, you've got a little square in square. Uh, that's a minimize call. So if you click that, then you get a tiny little box sitting on top of your tiny little box. 
Um, I've no idea if that's any better, but it at least means you can message your friends while while I'm boring people. <laughs> All right, it's 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 there now. I have a smaller stew staring at me, not a bigger stew. <laughs> exactly. That's that's got to be better. A smaller stew has got to be an improvement. Ah, uh, smaller stews. Yes, there's something that uh, we don't hear in a sentence too often, right, Stu? That's true. That is absolutely true. Although I am, and everybody stand by. I hope you're all sitting down. I am going to a gymnasium on Saturday. What for? Well, I, no, I'm, I'm going to go and work out. Although I've also just been informed by the current Mrs. Lennon that I have a social engagement uh, at the sort of bar restaurant at the top of my road on Friday evening. So those two things together may well cause a little conflict or at least uh, quite a lot of sweating. But anyway, um, I'm going to the gym. There you are. I'm going to alternate my golfing with gymming. I'll be, I'll be great. I'll be 130 pounds lighter by Thursday. <clears throat> well, probably not. Well, not after Friday night. Hmm. Quite. All right. Um, speaking of me complaining now, um, you last week teased us that the flight back had a story to be continued. Um, I'm guessing there's a little bit of grump in there too. Oh, heavens. Yes. Well, um, this is actually, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned it before. No good deed unpunished. Let's put it that way. Um, walked the Camino. Um, we we finished. We um, had our sort of, you know, big supper together. And we had quite a lot of time to kill on the Friday. We both had some evening-ish flights. So uh, we went around. We had quite a nice time. Uh, I got to the airport quite early. Got through. Uh, it's an airport we know reasonably well. It's got um, a nice bar. It's got um, a little duty-free shop. And I remembered uh, there's a friend of mine here in Cyprus, a Spaniard, uh, he's Catalan, in fact, um, who has been battling with uh, leukemia and, you know, battling it very effectively, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to say. Um, but we always talk about wine and he has a huge fondness for uh, Ribera del Duero, which is uh, a wine region in Spain, northern Spain, uh, makes very nice wines, wines that the good ones never get out of Spain. I mean, that's true of most countries. You know, they, they keep the best stuff for themselves. Um, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to grab him a bottle. Now, the whole Camino, all the time you're focused on not taking anything extra, no extra weight. Uh, everything is packed sort of very precisely. Um, but I had a space in my rucksack where my water bottle would normally go. I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy him a bottle of wine. So I bought him a really good bottle. Um, they put it in that nice little sort of bubbly wrap stuff and it slipped perfectly into my rucksack. I thought, well done me. What a good man I am. So then I got onto my plane, which was flying into London. Um, and then from London, I was uh, changing at Gatwick to get another aircraft. Now, uh, I'm sure this is common everywhere in Europe, but Gatwick has now sort of closed its connections centre so in the good old days, you used to sort of connect from one aircraft to the other. You would never really leave airside. You would be in the sort of secure zone uh, for the whole whole time. Now you have to exit uh, with all the fun and games of passport control, et cetera, et cetera. And then essentially go up a level or down a level and go back in uh, along with everybody else. Well, that sounds efficient, doesn't it? Oh, it's great. It's lovely, particularly with security, because there's never any queues or problems there. Anyway, so I thought, okay, well, if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. 
And so I put my bag in. There's uh, Gatwick is a, a big airport, so you've got lots of security queues and this stuff. And my bag is going down the conveyor belt and then gets moved into the, well, we need to look at this queue. I'm like, oh, for heaven's sake, all words to that effect. Um, and so the, there's a big queue of us waiting for our bag. And what they do is they point at your bag and look at you. And you go, yeah, that's mine. They go, right, come here. And she immediately goes to the bag, pulls out the bottle of wine and goes, well, this is too big. And I said, well, yeah, I just bought, bought that in the airport. She goes, which airport? I said, Santiago. He said, well, why are you coming through here? I said, well, because you've closed connections. I, this is the only way I can, I can change aircraft. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, then, thanks. No, no, you can't take it through. Why can't I take it through? <laughs> Might have a bomb in it, Stu. Well, yeah, it, you know, it's over 100 milliliters. I'm like, I said, well, firstly, that's, that's all changing at the moment. The fact that Gatwick is dragging its feet is, you know, no offense, not my fault. Um, and secondly, I said, look at it. I said, it, it's, a, it's a bottle of wine sealed with a cork, which has a metal foil shrinked over it. How do you imagine I've done that between Santiago de Compostela and here? Because here's my boarding pass. I show my boarding. And she's like, mm, yeah, I know, but they, they should have put it in a special bag. <laughs> right. Okay. And what, what sort of bag would that be? Well, it's a sealed bag. Oh, a sealed bag. What? Better sealed than metal foil and a cork. Well, it's not me that makes the rules. Mm -hmm. Okay. I said, look, here's the deal. I have bought a bottle of wine for my friend who's got leukemia, a Spanish friend in Cyprus, and I just want to take it to him. We can't. Okay, great. We, you could complain and get the money back from, from the shop. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, well, I could try. And she went, yeah, you could try. And, you know, it's not her fault. I appreciate she's not making the rules. But the temptation to reach across that gate and slowly strangle her was strong. Um, and, well, there you go. I, I, you know, I lost that bottle of wine. It, it wasn't particularly expensive. It was, I think, 20-something euros. Did you at least say, do you have a corkscrew and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to drink the thing? Because that's what I would have <laughs> done just to be aggressive. Not, not an option you're allowed, but I did check, yes. Um, because, you know, like, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not into sort of laying into the, the sort of frontline people. It's not their fault. So I, so I did say to her, I said, well, have you got a couple of glasses and we, we can have a drink? She said, no, we're not allowed to open it here either. I'm oh, right. Okay. Sense of humor failure. Right. Um, Oof. so off I stomped to try and get information then for when my flight was leaving. And I had all sorts of fun. Um, first of all, Apple just completely blew up. So um no data was working on my phone i've no idea why um it usually works fine i i i have an expensive phone package and i have data roaming turned on you know it, it it should just work um and it didn't so i was rebooting and rebooting not getting anywhere then i was looking at the departures board and thinking oh, hell I've five minutes i've got i'm gonna have to head to the gate i'm not, I'm not gonna have time to eat anything i'm just gonna grab a sandwich from from the pharmacy shop um a sandwich from the pharmacy shop that just sounds appetizing as previously discussed all the rest have got cues outside the boat anyway so i'm doing that i'm grabbing this tasteless piece of crap with some you know with some crisps a can of drink 
Um, phone is still not working, 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 still not. Oh, partially working now. Still no data, but something has happened now. And the first thing that's happened is that the time changes has taken effect. So I've flown back an hour in time because of going from Europe to the UK. So I've actually got an hour. I could have queued for one of the restaurants. <sighs> anyway, thinking, all right, I tell you what, what, what this situation calls for is one, I could go postal, cause violence, probably don't do that. There's loads of people here with guns. Um, or two, I could go and have a glass of wine. And so I went up to this, um, there's a, an English wine bar, i.e. a wine bar that specializes in English wine. Is there such a thing? Uh, yeah, it's uh, climate climate change. <laughs> um, it's it's getting better. There are some really good English wines, very good English champagne, believe it or not. But anyway. I have heard of these things. However, um, they surprisingly have not made it to Canada. No, it's still not a, it's still not a big volume thing, but there is some good stuff. And certainly English champagne from Sussex is winning lots and lots of awards, even in France. Whisper it. Anyway, I asked for a glass of, uh, I think it was probably Rioja, because, you know, I'd been drinking in Spain all week, and I thought, well, last glass of Rioja. They didn't have it. Would you like a glass of Pinot Noir? Well, all right, then I'll have a glass of Pinot Noir. So it's a grape that I'm quite fond of, quite fruity. Anyway, um, £25.40 I was charged for that glass of Pinot Noir. And you just left an entire bottle <laughs> at... At uh, security. Uh, an entire bottle that had cost me 26 euros, which is significantly less than 25 pounds 40, and was a far, far better wine. And I said to the guy, I said, again, <laughs> words to the, to the effect of, are you having a giraffe? Uh, which is rhyming slang for, are you having a laugh? And he said, what? I said, 25 pounds 40 for a glass of Pinot Noir. That values that bottle of wine at £75. Now, it's not bad, but it ain't £75, pal. And he just shrugged. <laughs> and I just thought, uh, Gatwick Airport, you have had me today. You have absolutely had me. Oof. And just at that point is when my phone started going off um, with various and sundry messages about my my poor house sitter who uh, had, had broken Caprula or who had had Caprula break upon her. Um, now, I didn't get all this information at the time, but she had just jumped in the car to nip down and get some fuel. And she'd done that, one, in her nightdress, and two, without a phone. So when the car broke down, she really was in trouble. Um, but anyway, the uh, the car was with the mechanic, and that's, I think that's where we left it last week. Mm -hmm. And they did... They decided that the camshaft sensors were to blame. That's what the computer, when they plug it in, had said. And so um, Dave, being the old Dirty Dave, as he's known, um, being, being uh, a thrifty man, he took them out and gave them a good thorough clean and triumphantly phoned me back and said, okay, yep, I'm, bring, I'm bringing it around to you. I've tested it. It all is hunky-dory. Fantastic. It was the camshaft sensors. They just got gunked up. Oh, that's brilliant, I said. Uh, so he drove around to me, and the idea was that I would then drive him back to his place, drop him off. Uh, literally within 12 feet, um, the, the, the engine light came on, and the, the engine failed. Oops. Exactly. So there was some um, swearing from Dave. Um, I very helpfully said, I was hoping it might be a little more fixed than that. 
Um, he eventually got it started again, took it off and said, I'll have another look. Um, and I happened to know, because I drove past it later, that he then broke down a little bit down the road. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he got home, but he didn't call me. Anyway, um, the couple of days later, um, he said, fixed it and triumphantly returned the car. Um, yep, I've replaced the camshaft sensors. They, you know, they've done sterling service. They've just done enough, but I've had the engine running up to temperature. I've driven it around the village. Everything's now fine. Okay, great. All right. I said, do you want me to drive you back? He said, no, I don't trust you. You'll break it. So I'll drive back. All right, then. And we got close to his house, um, and then it broke down again. Um, and so then he said, <laughs> it gets better. Then he said, right, there's nothing for it, Stuart. I need to get a new Vanos. What? And I went, sorry? I mean, if, if anything sounds like a Marvel character, Vanos is a is a Marvel. It must be. It's a baddie from from Marvel. So, what's Vanos? It's what it's it's a it's a valve, a solenoid valve. Of course it is. Ah, it's for the variable timing, Justin. Now I have no idea what any of those words say, and uh, as I explained to Dave at the time, I don't want to know. I care not a jot. Make the car go. That that was my instruction. Um. But things were getting a little bit awkward for me because, you know, Mrs. L goes to work and then I want to go to golf. So he offered to lend me one of his cars. He's a mechanic. He's got loads. Uh, and so I've now got a manual Honda Civic, um, which is a trip down memory lane. You know, uh, I, I remember clutches. Uh, sorry, by manual for, for people across the water, I mean stick shift, um, which all British people. Millennial anti-theft device <laughs> yeah, exactly all british people learn to drive um stick shift um and then uh immediately when they've got enough money go off and buy automatics but um <laughs> my jeep is uh is manual am i am i supposed to be offended that i don't have enough money there Snoop? no no you're you're supposed to be i mean atp would be be proud of you syracuse would be proud of you casey liss would be proud of you um Obviously, um, Marco would never have a clue what you were talking about because it's not electric. But um, although he just bought a Land Rover, didn't he? Um, yeah, so it's um, it's fun. I haven't broken it yet. I have stalled it once or twice, um, and I'm remembering all the fun and games of hill starts and all that stuff. Uh, it's nearly rolled into the gate twice, but I've, I've managed to avert disaster at the last moment. Uh, and as far as I know, the new Vanos was being fitted on Tuesday evening. We're now at Thursday evening, and I've heard not a squeak. So either it hasn't worked, or he's really determined to do some very extensive testing. I'm not sure which is quite true. He doesn't want to give it back to you because you're just going to bugger it up against you. Exactly. So um, I'm now at the point where I'm beginning to start looking at websites thinking, mm, because the idea of, you know, the beloved Caprula breaking down on the mountain highway and stuff. I was thinking, I'm, I'm not sure I really look forward to that as a, as a way to spend my time. Um, so I may, in, in the time-honoured, uh, stationary-adjacent fashion, throw some money at the problem. Um, and, uh, well, that will involve long and extensive negotiations with Mrs. Lennon, who has got her, her eyes on a new car. So we shall have to see how that all works. Oh. Mm. Well, there you go. That you asked for follow up, and by Jove, you got it. I got a little bit this time, didn't I? Oh. <laughs> what about you? What's happening in the? Surely you've got seven dogs now. 
I, no, actually, I was just trying to upload a picture of the dog and it's not working because, well, it's Google doesn't like uh, Heath um, things. So never mind. Uh, the puppy is an ongoing on again, off again idea. Hmm. Uh, Mrs. T is back to work and uh, she didn't sleep well the other night. She gets up five o'clock in the morning to head to work for seven and uh, was rethinking the whole second puppy idea. And then we went to see the second puppies mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's back on. So I don't know. It is, um, it's crazy. So I just sent a picture of the puppy to Stu in Signal. Not that he'll see it because he's probably looking at some ugly ass picture of me. Uh, but uh, if it does go through. <laughs> no, no, I've minimized you. I've got it. I've got a, I've got a small, small puppy here. All right, everybody, talk about yourselves whilst you look at puppies. Yes. Um, yeah, it's an ongoing, off, off going. It, I don't know. Uh -huh. um, apparently, though, there out of this litter, there are three white boys and this uh, little brown girl. And we've got okay. our dibs on the girl, but everybody wants a girl. Uh -huh. Apparently, that's, uh, I mean, that almost sounds like a song from the 80s, doesn't it? Everybody wants a girl or a band or something. Anyway. Um, yeah, close, close enough. Yes. Uh, we're, we're still going there. It's on again, off again. It's probably going to be another four weeks of drama until these are old enough to uh, be weaned and then we'll figure it out. But, mm -hmm. oh, Stu, I don't know what to do here. Do I, do I take <laughs> this on? Do I not? Um, am I going to upset the princess? Justin, I, I, I love I love the fact that you still think you've got a say. Uh, that's great. It's, I'm factually incorrect, but um, I, I think the best you can hope for is to try and influence Mrs. T in the direction you would like her to go. Um, but yeah, I dare say she's going to make that decision. Um, you're just going to be the one that lives with the consequences. Well, that's how it worked at my house. <clears throat> that's how it's worked at my house for the last however many years. Yes. Um, mm. Yes, dear. I, I happily married. Yes, dear. That's all I know. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know what she's saying. And, um, you know, I've said to, to the current Mrs. Leonard, it's, again, it's a fairly pointless exercise, but I've said to her, I said, look, no more dogs. Um, and for me, it's generally, it's like, I, I've had to be quite, quite straightforward and say, you take no role whatsoever <laughs> in training, bringing up or looking after the dog. It's all me. And that's fine, but two is enough. And um, I suspect, you know, when when the circle of life continues, I'm not sure I will have the energy to then go and do puppy training. Because as I've said to you, the, the way that I try and do it is I try and anticipate the dog. So I, I get the little puppy out to do its business and I put it in its crate. And then four hours later, I I wake up and I wake the puppy up and I take the puppy out and say, now is pee pee time and try and get them sort of on my schedule um, rather than waking up to accidents or having, you know, dogs demanding that I get up. I mean, it doesn't work, but it sort of does. Oh God, four hours sleep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I'll let you know what she says. <laughs> and the other thing I would say to you, cause you did say to me, you know, I mean, how many dogs can you get on the bed? Um, Charlie is allowed on the bed. Uh, by Spice, but not at bedtime. At bedtime, the bed is for Mrs. L as Spice. Um, I then move Spice and get growled at quite a lot. 
and move her to the end of the bed. She literally lies and puts her head on my pillow. I mean, she 100%, that's, that's the girl's bed. Um, she grudgingly accepts that I'm allowed there because I feed her a walker. Uh, but if Ch- if Charlie gets up, oh no, he gets his face kicked in. So uh, Char- Charlie goes off and sleeps on a couch. He's <laughs> he's a smart fellow, and I'm sure that'd be the same uh, with whatever interloper you brought into the house. I don't think the princess will allow competition on the bed. Uh, we'll have to see. Our bed is a challenge because it's uh, I don't know what it is two and a half feet tall. We've got um, mm-hmm. a bed that has. Uh, storage underneath it a bunch of sure. uh, things so. a divan we would say in the united kingdom sure. a divan bed yeah so it's a, it's about level with my butt um which means that uh, dogs need to be picked up and put on the bed and picked up and taken off the bed uh, which as you may have known from previous discussions that's uh, my life with coco anyway pick <laughs> her up put her down pick her up put her down she doesn't like stairs she doesn't do this she doesn't do that she likes to be picked up <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, this decision will be made, um, not with a dog that can get up and decide this on their own. Uh, it will be made by, well, me at bedtime and in the middle of the night where I'm regretting and ruining this decision. <laughs> I, I could just imagine this. And, and of course, you know, the middle of the night and the dog makes, you know, dog noises and scritches around in the bed and wakes mrs t up i I can just see how this is gonna go Mm -hmm. well all i can say to you is may the force be with you aye all right Stu, what's your tool of the week uh tool of the week for me this week google ads um i sort of started doing some experimental stuff with them for both my businesses uh i guess oh probably a month month and a half ago um and uh, I'm seeing impact in in Nero's where, where I kind of expected to see it. I mean, that's quite a high uh, high volume business. You know, there's lots of people sort of passing through that site. Uh, but it's also now generated me a, you know, a lead for the anti-money laundering consulting business. So uh, fair play to it. I'm, I'm not sure it's necessarily the most cost-effective thing I've ever done yet, but uh, it's working. So uh, that's good. I'm pleased. What about you? What's been your tool of the week? Oh, Monday I got uh, vaccinated. I know that's a word that nobody likes to talk about anymore, but, uh, you know, I've I've avoided the plague this far. I'm going to continue to try to do that. So I got my double shot of flu and a COVID booster on Monday. And wow, both in the same arm, uh, it's affected my productivity big time. Mm. I'm tired. I ached. Um can't sleep on one side so of course you end up with a interrupted sleep oof what a mistake doing that on a monday oh well at least i should be good for a little bit before i get sick again absolutely yeah no i i had mine i actually i had mine about a week apart which was probably a good idea and separate arms but if when margaret went um they will they would not put both shots in the same arm they insisted on doing one in each. I don't know if there's any science behind that or they just felt it was more balanced. I have no idea. Yeah, they just, uh, one after the other, straighten one arm. And, uh, you know, if I touch it now, it's Thursday morning and it's still a little tender at that spot. But, oh, well, crazy stuff. Uh, what you writing with this week, Stu? Uh, well, I, I, I inked up another one today. I've, I've actually got a little sort of triumvirate of pelicans uh, now. And... Uh, I'm, they're in a little sort of three holder 
um, pen holder at the moment, and it looks magnificent. So I've got the uh, 805 Blue Dunes, uh, which is the 05 means it's got sort of silver, um, was it livery? It's not livery, is it? But the the metal bits, the filial, the cap, um, the um, clip uh, are silver rather than gold. And then I've got the M600 uh, Vibrant Orange. Uh, and then I have the M205, so back to the silver, uh, Star Ruby, which is a sort of, you know, rich, rich red, deep pink sort of color. It's lovely. I've got those three little pelicans going. Um, I've, I'm in a very pelican sort of place. I don't know why that would be. Um, they're full of, I've got Mont Blanc in the blue, so JFK Mont Blanc in the blue. I have um, one of the the uh gibson guitar uh was it burnt orange or something uh honey burst honey burst they honey burst it's a color of the um, guitar Stu. it's a color of the guitar of course it is and then i've got the um uh the the edelstein or edelstein perhaps uh star ruby in the in the star ruby so that's a sort of pink very colorful very nice lovely nibs loving it what about you what have you got well, it's actually funny when I was doing the show notes, ah, nothing new this week, but I did wash four pens. And then last night I was sitting down after dinner and I was uh, at my desk, I was reading and I got bored reading and I felt like writing some new stuff. So uh, I inked up two pens last night. Uh, the Pilot Vanishing Point, white with silver trim with, are you sitting down for this too? A medium nib. No. Nah. Um, and this one is an old one, so it's actually got an aromatic filler, one of those squeeze bulb converters, the old school style. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you have any of those. I don't have any of no. It's It's very, very retro. Um, so you basically, you squeeze a sack together, you put it in the ink, and you release the sack a couple of times, and it sucks up the ink. Um, it's almost vintage i think at this point uh i put that with a jaban uh violet uh, pensy i think it is it's french who knows how to say that Stu knows how to say that <laughs> violette pensée uh, sure exactly uh <laughs> just what it says on the tin uh it's a it's a soft purple color uh, lovely felt like something different mm. uh, then i went way 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 out there for me in looking through my bags of uh pens a schaefer tyrannus also with a medium nib. Uh, this is a blue color. It's uh, a Schaefer pen. Um, kind of got a neat looking hooded nib in there and uh, a big, uh, you know, kind of fancy. You, you can't miss it. The Schaefer branding is all over the grip. And I put uh, some ink that I haven't used in a while. Uh, Noodlers. Uh -huh. There's one that Stu's probably never tried. Correct. Uh, Liberties Elysium which is a Goulet special. All right. Um, and I went to Goulet Penn's website. Now, speaking of old man grumping at the internet, um, good God, the pop-ups, trying to get that site to get a link. Um, yes, I'm in Canada. Do I want to carry on this way or this way? No, I don't want to sign up for your uh, whatever uh, emails. And then it's okay. I don't need to confirm cookies just i i don't live in in the european area where i have to worry about cookies just show me the gosh darn ink oh i was so frustrated 
I've just just clicked on it actually as you were speaking, and you're right. Yeah, you, they come at you from all sides, don't they? Oh, it is. It is. It, it's it's so. I guess if you go in there shopping, but if, if I found that on search on the internet and got all of that, I would just be like, back, 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 let's go somewhere else. And then I realized yesterday, um, I was marking up a contract for work and, uh, I pulled out a, a ballpoint stew, um, a cat and dash, uh, have a pen It's a little ballpoint pen, a little plastic one that everybody has, but they have one that is made of aluminum that is made with Nespresso recycled capsules. Oh, very cool. Uh, uh, I've got the first version of this when they did it. It's a blue color. Apparently, they've got a purple color now. I think they did a green at some point. Uh, There's a link in there. It's kind of neat. I drink uh, my fair amount of coffee, as uh, listeners may know. And so it's just kind of neat to have recycled pen from my coffee. Very good. Well, from I'm not using any new pens, that was that was quite some piece. Well done. Yeah, uh, that's why I was uh, trying to send Stu the, let's see, here, we're done the tie back things too. That's why I was trying to send you a thumbs up sign when we were chatting earlier. Like, hey, I'm just writing some notes here uh, because I changed everything. <laughs> well, I have to say that um, I'm quite interested in that noodlers because um, Elysium is actually what the, this house is called Elysium. So uh, there's a certain sort of appeal to having an ink that matches the name of the house. Um, how do I say this as nice as possible? Uh, noodlers, you either love it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's it's fine. Um, I bought some back when I was sort of experimenting with different things. It's fine. It's not great. It's fine. It's blue. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if I'd recommend shipping a bottle of noodles to you in Cyprus. Uh, they're glass bottles and they are filled beyond capacity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm aware of the, uh, the reputation. Yeah. Um, and it certainly, yeah. If you, if it gets knocked or anything, you've got a big uh, blue mess everywhere. Mm, and yeah, I, I did say, see in the description, uh, was it semi, semi permanent and bulletproof? Hmm. That sounds sounds well potentially bad <laughs> rather than good to me. Well, I do have a bottle of the uh, what's the really Bay State Blue. Yeah. Oh, that Bay State Blue. I have stains on various bits of stationery and carriers from that Bay State Blue. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, yeah, something else. Anyway. We're going to talk about podcasting today. How's that for a sudden segue? Wow. Well, it, indeed. Well, I mean, good Lord, we've been babbling on for forever and we only just get to the topic. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about podcasting because it has changed so much post-pandemic for me. Um, and uh, someone who makes a podcast, it got me thinking about the podcast industry as a whole. And so I wanted to talk to Stu and see... If there's been any changes with Stu as well, am I just, you know, I've had so many changes in my life through the pandemic, um, you know, moving into a rural neighborhood, wife dealing with uh, cancer. Maybe it's just where I am at. Am I seeing this through a certain tinted glasses? Um, or is this something that everybody's seeing in podcast listening? Uh, Stu, uh, has there been any changes with your listening or am I... Just off on my own, being kind of weird over here. 
Uh, no, there's been an enormous amount of change in mine. Um, I mean, I suppose my my history with with podcasting is that uh, I was on one before I knew what one was. I was on one before I'd listened to one um, with with eighteen fifty seven because that was all TJ's idea, um, and I had no idea they existed really until um, I bought Nero's Notes back in twenty seventeen. So 2017, is that right? 2017, 2016? Um, so the first podcast that I ever started listening to would have been probably The Pen Addict, um, The Erasable Guys. Uh, and then I got into a few more of the tech ones from, from the Mike Hurley stable, who's known as the Don of British podcasting, don't you know? Um, and so I got into all that. I used to listen to Connected and Upgrade and Cortex and um, ATP, of course, and then Mac Power use a whole sort of range of tech podcasts. And then through the last couple of years, uh, sort of became obvious to me and I suspect to many people that they're all pretty much the same. Um, and, you know, it, for me, my sort of view of podcasting is very tempered by the whole Relay FM thing where, you know, it's it's a bunch of nerds talking about things that are really important to them, but then they've found a way of sort of monetizing and commercializing that. Um, and, you know, I think they do a great job and they, they all seem really nice people. But now, certainly the last few years, what I've noticed, um, particularly outside of the US, is that there's been um, a sort of huge uptick in podcast production in Europe. So uh, the BBC is now a big player. Um, there are some UK-based uh, networks. One of them is actually owned by Gary Lineker, who used to play football for England, was the England captain. Oh, wow, I remember him. Yeah, well, he owns uh, a thing called Goalhanger, <laughs> which is a footballing reference. Uh, and they make a couple of my favourite podcasts. Um, so the rest is... Uh, the rest is history. Uh, the rest is politics. Uh, the rest is 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 one of their things. Um, and I've really got into those types of things, which are slightly different niche for me to explore and have, you know, extremely high production values. So, you know, you would like the audio on these. The, the audio is done very carefully, done properly. Um, you can tell that it's a, a big company trying to do podcasts. And that's sometimes positive and sometimes negative, but it has sort of broadened the whole field for me. Uh, and so I find the tech podcasts now uh, very samey and I've greatly rationalized those down. Um, I don't listen to as many of them um, because I, I don't, there's only so much you can say about, um, you know, Apple's latest releases. Um, and the ones that I really, really enjoy at the moment are, are things like the rest is history and the rest is politics. The rest is politics is very much, Current affairs. Um, it's uh, the the tagline is disagreeing agreeably. Uh, so you've got one uh, guy from the centre left and one guy from the centre right. So one conservative, one Labour. Um, the Labour guy is quite famous, Alistair Campbell. Uh, he was Tony Blair's spin doctor in chief, um, and is I suppose much loved and much reviled. Um, Politics in the UK are as tribal as they are everywhere else. Um, and then Rory Stewart, who is a, or was a conservative MP, um, but very centrist. So 
to the left of the right wing party, if you like. Um, and they discuss what's going on in government, which at the moment in the UK is extraordinary. Um, that I really enjoy. Um, there's a thing called the News Agents, which is um, you know big name journalists, sort of household names in the UK who've left the BBC um, and sort of work freelance now. And one of the things they do freelance is produce a, a podcast where they're not bound by BBC rules, so they can swear. Um, they can be more opinionated than they can be at the BBC. And so the whole field is sort of broadened for me. Um, and yeah, I, I podcasts that I thought would have been, you know, the absolute core of my listening, I, I tend to just skip them or if there's an episode that really sort of looks appealing to me, then I'll grab it. Um, but a lot of them I don't listen to anymore. Um, so it has very much changed for me. Um, but what about you? What's what's your listening? How's your listening evolved? Well, first off, I was going to ask, what has your list? Where do you listen now? Um, I am kind of curious about that. And has that affected as well? I still um, have a little bit of a commute in so far as I play golf three times a week. So that's a 25-minute drive uh, each way. Uh, so that gives me a chance for, you know, a shorter podcast, perhaps. Um, I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm working. And so when I say listen to them, um, I, I am guilty of using podcasts as sort of background noise, I think, sometimes. Um, and there's certainly some of the tech ones. I, I can get to the end of the episode and go, no idea what they were talking about. But anyway, um, so there's the, the, the golfing commute. There's the dog walk. I quite often listen to podcasts. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. Um, and I usually try and walk when I'm walking the dogs, which is generally not a golfing day, but depends on the season, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that will be an hour so I can get a, a show in then. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm mostly down here in my office uh, on my own with the dogs. And so that's when I listen to them. Yeah, interesting. Um, so for, for me, there's a couple of things that have really affected me. The big one is the voices that I used to enjoy have changed to my ears or perhaps it's me. Um, I have a hard time been on the same place as a lot of people, particularly, you know, post pandemic attitudes have sort of changed some of the, uh, the new stuff. I, I what's, what, what's a post pandemic attitude, Justin? Well, I just find that, um, people, you know, pretend that the work from home thing maybe it never happened maybe it should never happen maybe it was never a good idea um that kind of you know uh people's voices have changed throughout the pandemic um people's attitudes on such things as vaccinations and uh, i'm i'm not ready for any sort of argument with anybody like that you know i live in an area that is pretty anti-vax mm -hmm. um but i just uh, i i find that uh, you know, people, uh, you know, they're just their attitudes when, let's say, people get COVID and uh, all of a sudden, oh, COVID's not so bad. I, I had it. It's fine. Um, that still still bothers me a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. The, you know, the news um, in the middle of the sort of second wave, third wave of the pandemic, all of a sudden the voices in the news that I was looking at locally in Canada here suddenly started changes We're we're not going to talk about numbers anymore. It's fine. Look over here. Um, 
everything has become so polarizing and people are so vocal about their attitudes, whether it's politics. Uh, you know, I, I know in the States there is a lot of people in the middle, but we hear a lot from either extreme of political spectrums. Mm -hmm. In Canada, we kind of have the same thing, um, except for, you know, the Canadians' uh, uh, pol political stances. Well, don't for, you know, I, vote for me. I'm not the other guy. Um, mm -hmm. there's no real discussion of issues. So I've cut out a lot of that stuff. Uh, I find that a lot of voices seem to be quite self-indulgent. You know, the whole, look at me, I'm important. And I've got this, that, and the other, and I'm going to tell you about it. Um, and if we're like that, I'm so sorry, audience. Um, I, I really don't want to be that guy, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, Perhaps it's me changing and my views, which are generally pretty centrist, um, you know, probably have changed a little bit since moving up to a rural part. Um, I, I, and I guess uh, that's part of why a lot of voices have uh, gone out of my, my uh, listening. Mm. The other thing, of course, is that uh, I've changed my listening habits, um, you know. I, I never realized, but I used to live with a set of uh, AirPods in my ears, mm -hmm. listening to uh, podcasts every day. And eh, most days I can go to my podcast feed and I don't have anything to listen to, which is how much I've cut back on there. I will listen to a little bit while I'm doing sort of uh, administrative work um, on my Air on my home pods the minis if they work because oh god let's not go, <laughs> For sure, yeah. let's not go there um but yeah i really find i only listen to a few podcasts every week that i look forward to and those are generally while i'm doing chores around the house mm -hmm. putting in some headphones to do some chores yeah. uh but i've cut back on so many of my podcasts um it's it's actually crazy i can't remember a time before you know, the last couple of years that I didn't have anything to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, and that is kind of crazy. So uh, do, has the voices changed for you or is that really just me and my different attitude from living up here? Uh, no, I think, I think voices have changed. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the context has changed. So um, we are uh, as a world, as a, certainly as a Western world, we are, um, weighed down at the moment by populism and and this happens you know periodically through history where you know wh whatever side of the political spectrum whatever country you live in there are people suggesting extremely simple solutions to extremely complex problems um, now once you reach a certain age you know that that is utter nonsense that is not how the world works. So anybody listening who thinks they've got the, the solution to Israel, Palestine, Russia, Ukraine, vaccination, not vaccination, um, in, in one sentence, you're wrong. These are incredibly complicated, difficult issues. And I, you know, populism, I think, is the scourge of our world at the moment. Um, and it has created, as you say, that sort of extremely polarized position where you know much of social media has become you know dangerous ground for everyone and the people that do persist in social media either don't read responses 
<laughs> or um, work very hard to say nothing contentious. And that that's an, a symptom of polarization and it's horrible and I hate it. And I'm, um, I've sort of gone full circle on it and I now have a new sort of Twitter account where I don't go and, and, and fight with people and I don't try and wind people up, but I do push back at people who are telling me that, you know, um, this is terrible and that, that's the end of the world and the culture wars. And I just keep going, like, really? It doesn't matter. So um, I, I'm trying to take some of the heat out of it where in the UK they're arguing at the moment about whether people can march for whatever reason for pro-Palestine or pro-Israel on Remembrance Day where, you know, we have a big cenotaph sort of service and parade in the UK every year. People say, well, they can't march then. Well, well, actually they can. All those people that gave their lives in all the wars did so so that we have free speech. And if those people want to exercise it, they should be allowed to do it. You might disagree with them. You might think it's tasteless. That's fine. The very freedom to feel those things is what the gift that those people sacrifice their lives for. So don't in their name turn around and tell people that they can't protest and they can't have opinions. You're just talking nonsense. And that's what I find is happening a lot with, with podcast voices. You know, I, I guess as we all listen to the, these shows for years and years and years, we feel we know the hosts. And as those hosts sort of evolve in their, their views or perhaps share more of their views, uh, occasionally there are things that come up that, you know, make me think, oh, hang on. I'm not sure. Mm, yeah. Mm. And it's, as you say, it's polarizing. I think also the, the finance side of things has, has changed. So Relay and many others have, um, have said, you know, this, this is a, an activity from which we can make a living. And, you know, fair play to them, they can. Um, and you've got, you know, shows that I know you, you listen to, like ATP, uh, where, you know, it's a commercial entity and you can become a member of ATP. I'm, uh, I am. Um, I, I think you are or were. Um, and recently, you know, the third host sort of gave up his day job um, in part because he was, he was uh, hoping to, to make, make a living to look after his family from ATP. Now, he's a very cautious guy, John Syracuse, so, you know, the numbers, I think, would be in his favour. But he did so at a time that the advertising market for podcasting was collapsing. Um, membership schemes, I think, have gone very well, but I think there's probably membership fatigue. Certainly there is for me when I look at, you know, do I want to support ATP? Oh, do I want to support Mac Power users? Do I want to support both? Do I, Oh, what about this one? What about that one? Oh, where should I put my money? Um, you know, it's, it, it's a different undertaking for a listener to say, I'm going to send you money every month rather than I'm going to support you by listening to your ads and, you know, buying my next pizza oven from uh, whoever it is that advertises with you. It's, it's a different dynamic. And I think that the, the shows where these people are now saying, okay, I'm making my living from this. Well, that creates an expectation. You want me to pay to listen to your show. Well, you know, intrigue me, entertain me. I, I think it changes the listening dynamic. and. Um, on the whole, I think they haven't, nobody has got to the point of saying, I know how to make this a really worthwhile undertaking. You've got them trying, you know, special content for, for members, 
uh, discounts for members, no advertising feeds for members, you know, all sorts of different things. But the value equation is tough. Um, you add into that that you've now got people like the BBC making podcasts with superb production values, brilliant talent, and you know, an incredible resource at their fingertips for research. Uh, it's a, it's a competitive marketplace. There there are people now fighting for ears, and so I think that has changed the way that hosts interact with their audiences, and not always uh, for the best, in my opinion, but only my opinion. No, I I think I kind of agree with you on a lot of those points. I think very very good points. Um, you know, let's face it, the podcast industry with everybody staying at home. Uh, it had a huge amount of content coming on board. Hmm. The dynamics of that, I mean, I think all over the world, things are, I had to say the word recessionary, but costs are going up and uh, advertising is down, interest rates are up. Um, the economy that was booming, um, that allowed people to to make money, um, it's it's getting harder. Um, and to your point, I think sort of the Patreons and the sort of micro payment models do seem to be everywhere. It's something that I think about. Uh, one of the other things, you know, as someone that uh, runs this sort of podcast and pays for it, mm. uh, does a small podcast like ours become sort of a vanity project? And <laughs> how much is that vanity worth? Uh, I can host YouTube videos for free. If I want to do a podcast, well, I've got to pay for um, the hosting fees, the domain fees. Uh, I've got to manage that site all on my own. Um, that has a certain cost to it to become a vanity project. Sure. Um, you know, and, and one of the things I've not, uh, I, I mentioned a while ago that I killed off my other podcast in terms of not recording anything new mm. and I've got a bunch of costs and those costs have gone up considerably sure. over the last year. Um, I've just got some, uh, hosting renewals and domain renewals and I've just, I'm killing it off. It is going to disappear from the interwebs. Mm. Uh, what I'll actually probably do is copy those files over to a subdomain of my own personal website, just so, you know, all that work that I did do on the podcast exists somewhere, sure. but, uh, you know, there is a cost to it. You know, the internet is not free. Well, and I mean, the model that you talk about with YouTube does exist. I mean, you could put that podcast onto YouTube. A podcast on YouTube is not a podcast. <laughs> just saying. I know it is. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely, uh, what is it? Uh, Anderson Penn's. Uh, I've been listening to that for years, but they've gone, they push all their content to YouTube mm -hmm. and then they release the audio of the YouTube as a podcast, mm -hmm. but they still call it until very recently where they just renamed it, but uh, they call it a podcast, but it's all about visually on YouTube and it just drives me, you know, it's like chalkboard and nails kind of thing. Oh, no, but I mean. In terms of a place where you can make your podcast available for free, uh, you know, with no cost to you, you host it on your YouTube channel. You just put it there with a, you know, with a picture, of, oh, obviously of me, um, just just looking gorgeous. And you just put that up and you have a podcast in the background. And there you go. Boom. End of. Uh, oh, we've got a signal all again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a horrible idea, but um, I think the um, 
the, the models of YouTube do exist as well, where you can put your podcast into sort of closed shops uh, and those closed shops start putting advertising into your content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's where a lot of podcasts will go. And it's, you know, for you or for me, it's probably anathema. I mean, I'm not particularly interested in that sort of thing. It would need to be a really good show to to draw me into that type of model. And um, in many ways, we're seeing, I suspect, uh, a sort of curve where the whole sort of, oh, podcasting is going to be huge, it's going to be big, it's going to be, and all these big guys coming in. I think there will be some really positive um, rollout from that, and there'll be some really negative stuff. And I, I suspect that a few years down the line, um, podcasting will will again fade to this sort of weird little corner of the internet um, because it doesn't have video. And, you know, everywhere you go, we, we hear that video is the way forward. So I think it will sort of disappear back into a sort of niche space again. Um, and I think that will make it easier for those people trying to make a living from it to make a living, ironically. Um, because the more mainstream it becomes, I think the more demanding the audience becomes and the more, uh, you know, people flit and move from, from show to show. There's just way too much choice out there right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, you know, discoverability is really, really tough at the moment. Sure. You know, it's, uh, as we say every time, please uh, recommend us to your friends because, uh, yeah, it is, you know, just looking at our numbers, not much has changed, really. We've got, I think, a fairly consistent type of listener. Thank you to all of you that mm -hmm. listen to us time and time again. Um, but uh, yeah. And here is where we launch our membership and you pay us $1,000 at no. No, all right then. No, we're not doing that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just something that's kind of been on my mind lately. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. All right, Stu. Any takeaways on the podcasting industry at the moment? Um, I mean, you know, as a listener, my expectation of podcasts is changing. My taste is evolving, which I think might be a good thing. Um, and as a, as a producer, I mean, I've mentioned this before, I've been involved in two podcasts and in, in both occasions, this one and, uh, 1857, my co-host has done all the work. So I consider myself very fortunate. And in this one, particularly dear listener, you should understand that Justin pays the fees and won't tell me how much they are. Swine. He won't let me contribute. That may change. I may find a way of bribing him some way. Uh, at next renewal, if they keep going up the way they are, uh, we'll have a conversation about it. <laughs> Flick it over to Stu. It's his turn. Why not? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, um, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, I think we all evolve. The industry evolves. Not always a bad thing. Um, can things always stay the same? Probably not. Um, and evolving is something that, well, as we complained about, I don't do well with software changes. Apparently, I don't do well with uh, the podcast uh, industry evolving as well. I need to be more flexible. I need to be more stew-like. That's my takeaway. Be more stew. Yeah, be more stew. You can't go wrong, although stew is trying to be less stew, in fairness. I, I do think uh, that might be the show title, stew. Be more stew. <laughs> oh, just did. Flattery will get you everywhere, young man. Carry on. Uh, where can people find you on the internet this week, Stu? What have you, who have you been yelling at and what have you been doing? 
Well, ironically, if you're interested in memberships or micropayments, then you should get along to stuartlennon.com, where you can send me a micropayment, uh, and you can read all about my adventures on the Camino. Uh, you can also read a, a novel serialised. Um, there's also public posts there. So swing by stuartlennon.com for me just musing on the world. Uh, if you want to hear me having a go at all of these polarised idiots on the left and polarised idiots on the right, then uh, at 4left187 on Twitter, or X as it's known now, that's where you'll find me uh, having a go at people. Um, day job is limeconsulting.com. Uh, and on all the socials, there's a variation of that to Lime Consult, Lime Consulting, Lime Consulting 2023. Um, that's my anti-money laundering consultancy business. Uh, but if you're into some really nice stationery, delivered worldwide, I have to say, uh, check out nerosnotes.co.uk, where we have some amazing stationery. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Um, I put out a really nice video. I liked it anyway of uh, the fall colors i went camping the other week and oh uh, i must check that uh it it was we went camping by the lake in a campsite but there's only one other per person there um gorgeous we have such beautiful colors there in the mountains where i live it's largely fir and cedar and pine uh, we don't get a whole lot of color variation but right on the lake uh just amazing fall colors. So I made a video for that. Um, but yes, that's about all I've been doing on the internet, including publishing this. Uh, feel free to drop us a line if you have any thoughts about podcasting, how the changes are, how the changes have affected you. And uh, um, if you want to yell at us for being self-indulgent idiots, um, please drop us a line, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Um, as always, uh, after this conversation, please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. Yes, we're begging to help us increase our audience. Uh, we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, uh, Stu's topic, and it's great. Two city boys in the country. What's different and why do they prefer it? I'm looking forward to that discussion, Stu. Indeed. It'll be good. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.